Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. And uh, you've been gallivanting around the east side of Victoria as of late, which looks like you've been having a pretty good time. Hopefully I can uh, come join you in the next week or so somewhere, but you've done a little bit of fishing. I have. We um, we started our trip probably ten days ago now. Started at Malakuta, so we, we we drove straight there, seven and a half, uh, eight hours from the surf coast of Victoria, and then two days later, the surf coast goes into into lockdown with COVID. So I couldn't have timed it any better, essentially. Uh, and for for boating enthusiasts out there, Malakuta is an absolute mecca. It's also where Cuda uh, Craft is built. And funnily enough, I, I, I ran into the owner of Cooter Craft. He nearly destroyed my little Staby Craft Redmond at the boat ramp. <laughs> I dropped it off and I was taking um, taking my cousin out with me. And um, he didn't show a huge amount of respect for the little 15-foot Staby. He was launching his – it's called the Boss. It's an eight-and-a-half-metre Cooter Craft with twin 300-horsepower racing Mercuries. <laughs> And it hits just over 85 miles an hour. And he, <laughs> he nearly flattened us. So it wasn't the most uh, friendly moment, but, you know, you get those. I understand that. Um, They're a weapon. It's of been a, incredible. Absolute weapon of a bow, especially in a straight line. They've, well, they did actually. I actually sent you an article a few weeks ago. They won uh, the fastest racing boat uh in the they did competition with offshore boats that race and they and they won the competition. They've actually put a few challenges out to a few other boat manufacturers. So they are a weapon of a boat and they are designed to go very very fast and they cut through the water extremely well, especially with six hundred horsepower on the back pad. Yeah, well, mate, I was almost underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped the boys off and and I think they, you know, when you you first launch your boat, you the in an ideal world you move the boat up to the end of the um, jetty or pier or whatever um so you've got room to for the other boats to launch now my cousin sammy who i was fishing with doesn't exactly understand that concept he was a little bit worried so he's sort of standing with maybe maybe 30 feet in total length between where the little stabie was and the edge of the boat ramp and the boys in the cooter craft have just backed the thing down and he reckons they've missed the stabie by millimeters um in a little bit of a frustrated sort of effort i suppose so um well, yeah, I and sometimes does it does it ribbon i understand where they're coming from i'm, I'm, I'm with them i'm with them <laughs> it's uh everyone's gotta learn yeah, you're one of those gr- grumpy locals as well <laughs> oh you gotta do that won't be buying a cooter craft i'll give you the hot tip um, <laughs> have you caught any bloody fish or what i have actually it's been it's been incredible it's been great um not offshore. I mean, we went around Gabo Island. That is just beautiful. Um, there's been there's actually been quite a few reports this week of of some great fish being caught in 300 metres of water directly off Gabo Island, essentially. So that's quite a few k's off. Nice and shallow. Uh, some re- 
Yeah, it's a really nice bluefin. It was actually the boys in the uh, uh, in the Cooter Craft that caught it. So there's some big fish being caught around, but a little bit far off for the for the baby staby. Earlier in the week, they were getting them in sort of 10 k's off Gabo Island, roughly 100 metres of water, and there were, there were stacks of fish there. Uh, but it dried up towards the end of the week, and obviously the weather played a, a bit of a role in people being able to get out because half of the state of Victoria is under torrential rain. Um but a terrific place to, to fish. And then we've worked our way slowly back along uh, sort of East Gippsland through Lakes Entrance, fished Lake Ties yesterday with with another Rello, uh, which was incredible. Um, soft plastic fishing for, for flatties and for, for bass. It is just one of the most um, exhilarating forms of fishing because not only can you soft plastic for them, but you swim bait for them. And the surfers lures fishing for Australian bass, it, just the woof that you that you hear when the fish comes up to um to launch it fishing sort of around the Ben River as well like it's just there's so many hidden treasure troves throughout East Gippsland you could spend months upon months fishing for them Redmond I wouldn't say uh, that I'm an, an expert in the bass scenario that's for sure but if you I, I do read a lot of magazines and forums and whatnot and they reckon the Australian bass is tenfold of the American bass on how hard they actually pull and hit lures and whatnot. And how aggressive. So they are one yeah. of the most aggressive fish, and they literally make the American bass, like, like they make them look stupid how hard they hit the Australian, how hard the Australian bass hit. So I, uh, I bet that yeah, would have been a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, you're spot on, and, and it is. It's just the sound. It's like someone's clapping their hands as hard as they possibly can. That's the sound that you hear as you sort of bring the swim baits in and, and trying to do it as slow as you possibly can. It's almost like the slower that you go, the more enticing it is for fish. A bit like barra fishing, that that slow twitch, the the, the big flatties can't sort of resist it. And, and then we've, we've made our way up um, further south rather than up Redmond, um, to Painesville. We stayed here the last few nights. The weather's been terrible, so we booked into an Airbnb that's set up on the on the lake, which has been special. I didn't even know where Painesville was, to be honest. We were just looking for spots because we've obviously been camping for the last sort of 10 days and the kids have gotten a bit ratty. Um, that's been an experience in itself, but it's been great. But a few days in an Airbnb just to sort of settle things down a bit and has made it a bit easy, obviously, with the, the weather being so terrible. Um, but Painesville as a as a fishing destination, certainly as a boating destination, it's absolutely terrific. So there's there's so many places along East Gippsland that have been so impressive. But um, enough about me. How's your week in fishing been? I know you've been getting on to, to plenty of squid, plenty of whiting, and we're finally starting to see some early snapper, Redmond. Yeah, I had a really good week uh, this week, Part It was uh, light winds and uh, – Actually, it's funny. The wind was very all over the place. It was all over the place. So they couldn't get it right to save their lives. Now, I sort of did a little bit of research myself, looking at the high pressure and look, watching the rain. And quite often, before the rain comes, we get a lot of still weather. And then during the week, uh, especially on the, uh, I think it was the th- the Thursday, we had a. Uh, it was still in the. It was meant to be blowing, but it was very very still in the morning. And then the afternoon when the rain hit, it blew up, but they had the weather report um, the other way around. So we were headed out and we managed to get our, our bag of calamari, which was good. So 20 big calamari. We also managed to find a big school of salmon in the shallows. And I'm talking up to 70 centimeters, a monster salmon, which you can't catch enough of them for bait. Like, let's be honest, they literally don't go far enough. So I'm stocking up on those, stocking up for squid for bait. The whiting fished very, very well too, 
with that dirty water. Snapper, I got some beautiful snapper offshore up to that five and a half kilo marks, some beautiful snapper. And there's some good signs right around the bay. So I'm really, really hoping that the early season, uh, when I say early season, which it is now, but I'm really hoping the signs that the early season is showing that the uh, actual season ahead is going to be terrific. So Everything, everything is going good. And also the gummies as well. The gummies are fishing well. The schoolies as well. There's really good numbers of schoolies offshore too. So uh, that that that's fishing. I'm talking right from Portland right down to Gippsland as well. So it's not just here. You've got Western Port, and we're going to get Gwaine Blake on next week, and he's going to take us through absolutely everything regarding Western Port and whatever you need to know. He's a genius in that, in that part of the wood. So fishing is red hot at the minute and it's only going to get better and better so i'm i'm really looking forward to uh what's to come in the next month or so pat right through to sort of that april it's going to be very exciting six months let's talk about what is biting right around the country let's start in tassie redmond now there's been some interesting captures stuart nichols personalized sea charters a september barrel landed at 97 kilos the king brown laser pro uh, 190XDD doing the job. It was an absolutely stonking fish, unusual for a September barrel, certainly given it was it was there first. Does that excite you? Uh, it's Tassie's a little bit earlier than us, as in in the season, so that it is, yeah, a little bit late. Like it's late in the season for those, but it doesn't surprise me with anything with fishing these days, Pat, with what we're seeing and. I tell you what, it's been very, very restricted with travel, as we know, uh, for these barrel bluefin right across the state. So I would put money on them that if you headed down to Apollo Bay, Portland, Port Ferry, and I know into South Australia, Port McDonald there, and if you were to go out and actually chase the barrel bluefin tuna, you would be in for a shot. I'm getting memories coming up on my phone of last year, the year before, the year before, big barrel bluefin tuna. I got 152 kilo, I think it was in october last year so that's in uh, that's literally it was about mid-october so who knows what's going to happen the water's still bloody cold out here we've only got 13 degrees it's not warming up it, it did come up and it, it's just not holding its temperature but it, it, it is yeah it's fishing very very well um right across the state like i said with it being so cold i'm really looking forward to it and also in tassie fishing land-based around stanley there have been some huge flathead caught on soft plastics up to the 50 centimeter range And i'm just going to talk a little bit about jig heads pat Flathead, I don't reckon you could go big enough without being stupid. A big jig head hitting that bottom and puffing that sand and kicking it up, anything with a nice big paddle tail works really, really well. And what I mean by that, if you, when you hit the sand, you actually create the disturbance, vibrations and whatnot, and the flathead will actually come over and investigate what's going on. So if you are chasing flathead and you think you're not getting the bottom enough, don't be afraid to spark up the jig head size and really, depending on the current and where you're fishing, but it'll always um, it'll always help your, your captures. Fishing out of Pet Dam has seen some great rainbow trouts being caught uh, and being caught uh, using inline spinners that have been working the best. Uh, Western Australia, Aaron? Yeah, Fremantle are producing really good numbers to rally on soft plastics as well as chicken, Pat. Don't ever look past chicken. Everything loves chicken, including <laughs> myself. And fishing around the boat moorings is the key. They love a little bit of structure. So they, uh, they, they're they fishing quite good. So if you are after some bait, and if you do bleed them and eat them sashimi or fresh, they do come up a treat. Uh, a few weeks ago, Pat, we actually spoke about a competition at a Kunanra, which was the Kunara, Kunanra Barra Bash, where they had over, in the end, they had over 700 fishes. 
over a hundred barramundi were caught, and a fella by the by the name of Steve Barnett won a Quintrex Outback 370 Explorer, which was the top prize, not for catching a barramundi, just for buying a sixty dollar raffle ticket and just taking part in the compet- in the competition. So well done, and the lucky winner. Uh, who takes out the actual competition in itself, he landed a 111-centimetre barramundi. And this lake is stocked, remember? So it's come from over 1 million fish released in the water in the waterway since 2013. So well done to uh, uh, the Western Australia fisheries over there, creating what's pretty much an amazing fishery with people targeting Barramundi, well over the 100-centimetre mark. Heading to South Australia, GT Fishing Charters out of Coffin Bay had a great week on the whiting. Huge bag limits. Like, they literally getting their clients massive bag limits with fish up to that 50-centimetre mark with squid being the best bait. York Peninsula, some fantastic weather has run through there as of late, and uh, anglers making the effort in the nice, calm, clear water, chasing blue swimmer crabs, which we do love our swimmer crabs. Pat, they're a beautiful uh, creature to eat and there's plenty of them so very very good success for all the anglers out there chasing those heading to new south wales yeah fishing under captain cook's bridge there's been a huge variety of fish being landed redmond brim salmon whiting ludric flounder flatties trevally uh and soft plastics have been doing plenty of damage i think it's a great way to go and, and fish around structure because you it's it's more engaging. You can get to cast and retrieve versus just sitting there with, with bait. Uh, snapper fishing off Burmy at the moment is fishing quite well. Obviously, the rules and regs that you have to stick to within uh, New South Wales and Victoria predominantly. We just spoke about Western Australia. It's just uh, the rules are go and enjoy yourself. <laughs> Same thing with South Australia. Uh, Queensland uh, fishing in the Logan, which is based around Moreton Bay, is fishing extremely well right at the moment flatties up around the 70 centimeter mark uh and plenty of them being caught uh, as well as plenty of brim once again mixing a variety of of baits but at the same time um fishing with soft plastics has been quite popular as well and that is our whip around redmond for what's been biting right around the country now i want to talk to you before we go to the break mm-hmm. about the grenadier now, for those unfamiliar with the Grenadier, this is a company a that was fish. born. That's a fish, isn't it? Blue Grenadier. Beautifully. <laughs> Blue Gr- this is a car that was born literally in a pub called the Grenadier by a few Brits. And it <laughs> is landing in Australia back end of 2022, start of 2023. And what it is is essentially the old discovery, uh, the old Defender, the old Land Rover Defender. Mm. Yep. And these mates got together and and wanted something that was robust in construction, et cetera, et cetera, yada, 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 same sort of spiel. Um, and it's finally hitting our shores. But my question for you is, at a starting price of $84,500, this – is its first model so there's still yet to confirm sort of where it would sit with dealerships etc that puts it on the same sort of level as the land cruiser 79 series it's it's far more expensive than uh, probably the the most popular in terms of its its ratings in terms of the ford ranger 
Hilux has sold more than any other ute over the past 12 months. It's far more expensive than that. The Land Cruiser 300 series, for example, starts at 89900 for the GX. And this is starting as a two-door version, which would be like the, the, the simplest comparison is the Land Cruiser, as the Land Cruiser 79 series, which is around the same cost. Is anyone going to buy it? There's a, there's a few key features that might get a few people over the line. It comes pre-wired, Pat, which getting things wired by AutoElect costs a fortune. So it is pre-wired. So you can get things like winches, roof lights, you can get solar charging, dual batteries, certain towing equipment. So there are a few items that do come Aaron, standard can, with it. You can do that. You can get that from, like, Okay. A couple of thousand. I was to trying to in. make a conversation out of it, Patrick. All right, no, it's not worth it. It's a waste of money. It only throws throws three and a half ton. And if I was spending upwards of a hundred grand, I want five ton. <laughs> Is that nice? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it does tow three and a half ton, which, to my knowledge, certainly the old the old Defender didn't. The current Defender starts at seventy one thousand. It's got a BMW engine. This. I'm fascinated to see how this is going to be accepted within the Australian marketplace. It's hard enough to get rusted on Toyota fans. I'd be fascinated to see your first service bill, as well as if something goes wrong, how much it costs to get it fixed. Well, absolutely. And, and so, you know, they're all the questions that that are going to be asked by Australian consumers. So it's a watch this space. If I they want one given... to test out, then send one my way. I'll put it to its limits. <laughs> Fire one over. <laughs> the brand backing in Australia starts with a five-year unlimited kilometre warranty, so it's, it starts in a you know, in, in a good place. Um, its aftermarket sales blueprint will be supported by Bosch Servicing in Australia. So it's a real watch this space. It's an exciting concept because – Let's be honest, it was born in the back of a pub. It's something that we can all relate to. Oh, no, I can. And my ideas have gone nowhere. So let's see how this goes, Pat. Don't go anywhere because there is plenty more to come on Real Adventures. Don't go anywhere because there's plenty more to come on Real Adventures after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for the Social Club. We take your questions from social media Every week we're giving away real brand gear for the best questions. The first one is for you, Redmond. Well, for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the benefit of tuna tubes versus a live bait tank? Is it worth the extra spend on tuna tubes? Tubes. Love the show, guys. Regards, Matt. It is definitely worth the investment of both. Now, I use these all the time the tunage the live the livey tubes or tuna uh whatever you want to call them live bait tubes basically what they are is a plumbed in uh plumbed in section of the boat which has tubes attached to it which has constant water flow coming through those tubes and out the top now you can control the volume of water that gets pushed through them and what they help you with is actually being equipped and ready to drop your live baits into the water in a hurry so say for instance that i'm out off so slimy tubes is what they're really referred to as and if i'm out off uh eden chasing marlin and the reason you need both i'm going to go into both is 
So what happens is you head out, you find your you find your live bait beauty. Let's all catch these, catch all the live bait, all the slimies. Let's catch them all. Drop the bait jig down, pull them up. You then fill your live bait tank up. You then pre-rig two two live baits into those slimy tubes, ready to go and ready to catch a marlin. Now, what I mean by that is when you rig your baits, we bridle them up through the nose and put a hook in front of them, say an inch in front of the in front of the actual bait in itself with the with the with the dacron or the wax thread, whatever we're using. And that way if you do come up across a bait ball or if you are marking marlin or if you're skip baiting and you want to put a livey drop it back, you don't you're not there spending 10 minutes trying to rig a bait. They're ready to go. They're in the slimy tubes. They're staying alive. But in the live bait tank, you've got another 20 or 30 slimies in there ready to go. So you need to keep them alive. You can't just have two baits because if one dies in there or if it gets caught up, that's the best way to go about it. And going also for kingfish, now we are fast approaching kingfish season. I know it is a little bit far. For, it's still a distance away, but it works really well for the kingfish too. If you're knife jigging and trying to get uh, kingfish to start, you drop two live or if you're ticking live baits around and you get fish, there's nothing better than putting live bait back in the water where the fish actually are feeding in a feeding frenzy and that's how you do it by just having two more in the live bait tubes ready to go drop them in and off you go so once again you've also got another 20 in your live bait tank so there's different different reasons why but there's a few reasons there to hopefully get you to put get yourself to put a live bait tank in and also slimy tubes how much did you spend on your slimy tubes oh i'd have to that's actually a good question it might be might be around a thousand. Now we're talking, and that's that's plumbed, as in that's the that's installed as well. Because it's one thing to have a your RP of, you know, it's going to cost you six hundred angle. I think so. Oh, fantastic! I've just, you know, upgraded the boat. I put the slimy tubes on. It's going to cost me six hundred, and then well, you I get think, slugged with another five hundred in installation. Well, that, that's right. I think it was about four hundred dollars roughly for the tubes in themselves, but then you've got to put the pump system in. And then you got to pay the labour of the people to actually put it in. So you're looking between probably seven hundred bucks and a thousand bucks, depending on the brand that you go and depending on who fits it for you. So we'll say between yeah seven hundred to a thousand bucks, and that's going to have you installed a really good set of slimy tubes, which is going to catch you more fish, Pat. Next question's from Ben. Good on you, Matt. Thanks for that question, uh, Ben. Uh, g'day, boys. Love the show. Keep up the great work. I have a question in regards to squid fishing. Is it best to always be on the drift when fishing for squid, or is it best to anchor down and target one specific spot? Cheers, Ben. Yeah, it's a really good question, Ben, but drifting is the best method to find squid. You're covering ground, and that is the best way to find them. The next best thing to do is when you do find them, hit mark on your GPS and keep constantly drifting over that area, and you'll quite often find that the squid will sit in one area. Now, the time of the year that we are in now, I like to call it squid season. It's one of my favorite seasons of the year where the squid lay their eggs and they protect their eggs, and they are in seriously, seriously good numbers. And you can anchor on them. Now, if you're the first boat there or the only boat there, you can anchor on the eggs and have the time of your life. But the problem is if you anchor on the squid eggs, it stuffs everyone else up. That means no one else can get on them. So if you are the second or third boat there and other people, they've got the nice routine of drifting over it and you're just there plonking around and just plonk the anchor in and stuff them up, they're going to have the shits with you, let's be honest, and they're probably going to start throwing sinkers at you because you've literally ruined their session. So be mindful if you're the first boat there, the first boat to find them, anchor on it all by all means. But if you are not the first boat there and there's multiple boats there, just join in on the drift with the guys and you can all have a good time in 
catching squid. The next question is for you, Patrick, from Damien. It says, Danger, can you give us an insight into trade period, given your experience with it? Regards, Damien. Well, our wonderful producer, Redmond Joel Brooks, he's been handling all of Trade Radio's trade work over the past week. And obviously, trades, they officially start, I think it's Monday. Um, free agency started yesterday. It's it's an interesting time. Like, at the moment, we're, we're not seeing any big curveballs of any big name being thrown up. Obviously, that was one of the, the discussion points. I think it was pre-grand final when there was all this talk around Lockie Neal. So, there will be as there always is, uh, a shock trade that, that occurs. But quite often, the, the the majority of the players that we've heard and have been spoken about so far, this has been organised for quite some time. So Jera leaving, uh, leaving Fremantle, in my experience, I would say this is – this hasn't been something that's just been um, thought about over the last month. Now, we as players will always say, I want to focus on footy, and once the season finishes, then I'll start to, um, you know, I'll get myself organised and then I'll think about it. Now, it is a it is a cop-out. It's just what we you have to say as a player because the reality is, of course, you think about your future. That's what everyone it's, – it's only natural. So you're, you're planning on on what you want to do far in advance to – the end of the season and far in advance to, to focusing just on footy it's or certainly cruel, in my experience. It's a bit of a cruel game though. Like I'm looking at some of the people that have thrown themselves into retirement due to obviously contracts ending. I don't think a lot of people, a lot of players are actually ready to go, Pat, to tell you the honest truth. I'd, I don't know. I no, name one for no, me. Absolutely not. Josh Jenkins from no. the cats, Josh Jenkins from the cats. He's a prime example. I think. No, and it's like for, for so many players, it's your identity. That's all you've known for such a long period of time. You, you finish school at 17, 18, and then you're thrust into an AFL environment. So it, it, it comes on very, very quickly. But in regards to, to, to trades, um, a lot of the time it's there's a lot of pre-planning from, from clubs and players that go into discussions that happen on behind the scenes. And then there will be a few curveballs throughout this, this trade period, which there always is. There's some clubs that, uh, you know, more difficult to deal with than others, and it seems to to draw out every time, you know, whatever specific club, you know, is mentioned, and that's always one of the last deals. Um, but that's footy, you know. Clubs have responsibility, and and you know, list managers have a responsibility to get the best deal for their players. So um, it's fascinating. It always is. It's one of the highest rating. Um, yeah, I suppose events that happen in our game because you can finish trade period and every team wins a grand final because every team is framing their results um, in a positive light. So that's it's different to the season probably because only one team wins the granny. Trade period finishes and it's we're, we're won. We're all successful. Unless you're, unless, you're Col- in. unless you're Collingwood from last year, give us one. Uh, Collingwood are going to win because they're going to get a young player by the name. Well, last name of Dacos, who, if he's not the first pick, he'd, he would have been the second, um, and he's going to be a very good player for them. So I think you know they've they've got a strong hand. Give us one, give us one. Go on, just quickly. Who's going to be an upset trade player? You must have something for us, something good. Who's going to be an upset? Well, yeah. there's no upsets. No, there's no upsets. I mean, it doesn't take um, 
a huge amount of intelligence to know that the ones that take longer if you're dealing with with adrian there's no one that drives a harder bargain at the don so you know, that's just that's that's footy um you know and that's that's the club's responsibility so it's gonna be interesting to see um redmond our winner i think it's got to be got to be bent around the 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 squid. So yeah. Ben, send us in a, a direct message to our socials and we'll get out a real brand fishing top and hat to you. That wraps up our social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our socials throughout the week uh, for your chance to be featured on the show. And if you are, and we read out you as our winner. Don't go anywhere. There's plenty more real adventures after the break. Gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Our special guest this morning is Steve from Water's Edge Houseboats. We're talking about Lake Hill and a beautiful place as well. Good morning, Steve. Morning, guys. How are you going? We're going very well. We thank you for coming on this morning. Now, tell us about Water's Edge Houseboats, where you're located and why it's a wonderful place to take your family on your next fishing adventure because Paul Wesling couldn't recommend you highly enough. So if Paul recommends it, we reckon it's pretty damn good. Oh, look, um, yeah, Paul's a great guy. We know we're doing um, things right. When you get a guy like Paul um, comes up and spends time on a houseboat with us for his holidays. So we know we're hitting a nail on the head when that happens with um, the profession he's in. Um, Water's Edge Houseboat, Lake Yildon. Um, we are probably the largest houseboat hire company up at Lake Yildon. Newest houseboats. Um, sneak preview. We've got one under getting built at the moment due for launch. Uh, was supposed to be before Christmas, but COVID sort of slowed us down a little bit. Um, and we don't really want to tell too many people about uh, Lake Yildon, which is uh, one of Australia's best-kept secrets, I reckon. Um it's just a great, great, great location, not far out of Melbourne. Um, easy, easy drive from anywhere in Victoria, um, and a great family um, destination. Steve, take us through the vessels that you have on offer, because some groups want to have groups of six, some uh, people want to have groups of twelve, whatnot. How many people can you cater for, and what? Uh, how many boats do you have? Um, at the moment, we have six high boats on the water, um, number one due very soon after Christmas. Um, currently, we can sleep around oh, 100 people on the water, um, which uh, varies from um, three-bedroom, 10-berth boats up to four-bedroom, 12-berth boats, um, and plans to do a few a few more extra boats um, over the next 12 to 18 months. Steve, what about for those that have – little to no experience when it comes to driving a houseboat boat or boat in general. How does that work? Are you, are you eligible to be able to take them away or is there uh, a licence that you need to have? Um, in the higher drive fleet, um, houseboats come under. Um, no licence, uh, just have a full car licence. We have a comprehensive induction um, solution that takes people through the full operation, how to navigate how to secure the boat, um, how not to get into trouble. We actually um, drive the boats in and out of marina, so there's no close combat with other boats. Um, that's where most of the 
um, accidents happen, especially on busy days when you've got kids on jet skis and other boat, boat craft floating around. Um, and once they get out onto the expanse of uh, Lake Eildon, which has around about 600 kilometres of shoreline, so a um, large body of water in Lake Eildon, currently sitting just over 80% at capacity, six times the volume of Sydney Harbour. So plenty of places to cool. go and see. A lot of water. And what about times of the year? Obviously, at the moment, everything's been affected by availability with COVID when people can get out. But from what we hear from the government, once everyone's double vaxxed, there's going to be an opening. And there is certainly with rural Victoria at the moment. Yep. When do you recommend, when's the best time to go and, and visit the region? Oh, look, any time of the year is a great time to go up to Yildon, up in the high country. Um, even, even before COVID, we found that a lot of off-season trade was coming with families um, that were spending quality family time together with their kids, um, get out on a boat, um, confined space, um, close, and there was, a, there was a lot more traffic around that family-orientated get-together. Um, but any, any time of the year, if you're into the water sports, summer, a bit warmer, we're chilly going for a swim this time of year, but we, we have a couple of kids um, the last probably six weeks ago going swimming up there, so um, mustn't be that cold in but fishing. Uh, again, we have a lot of fishing groups come through and uh, it's just growing, grabbing a lot more notoriety about um, you just tell, pull up on behind of a houseboat, jump in and have a nice warm shower, out you go, back out to the fishing. So um, any time of the year. I'm glad you mentioned the fishing after the uh, water sports work there, Steve, because I know Paul Worsling, I actually seen him during the year. He was out there on the houseboats and he had his little uh, staby car. Oh, no, it was a little his extreme, actually. He was out there in his extreme yeah. catching some wonderful trout and uh, a few other species. Now, does he hit mark on the GPS on these things or what so we know where to go fishing if we do come down and high? <laughs> So what what you're asking? You want me to grab his um, GPS off him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to things you got to do, Steve. Come on, mate. Paying yeah, good bucks I, these houseboats. Yeah, I know. I know which way he heads and that sort of thing. He's, um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you've got Paul. You've got um, you know we have we have had the guys on the fishing show. They turned up. Hope I can mention them. Um, they turned up just before a lockdown and kept the boat for an extra seven days before they brought it back. We, we thought we'd have trouble getting rid of them. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, look, it's um, there's plenty of fish there. Um, even even um, the local, you know, some of the other local businesses what do it a little bit hard as well um, with those lockdowns. Um, the best I can suggest is anyone that's going fishing up at Lake Yordan, go into the local bait and tackle shop, ask the guys in there. They'll gladly tell you what's biting, where they're biting, um, and, the, and the best food to uh, put on it. Now, Steve, you spoke off the top of the show, off the top of the interview, rather, uh, the different sizes. Now, there's five different size boats in your higher fleet. I want to talk about the edge because I think when some people think of houseboats, they think of an old rickety barge that's tiny, that doesn't cater for much. But looking through your social media, and you can follow uh, Lake Eildon's Luxury Houseboats on Instagram, the edge is absolutely amazing when it comes to its amenities. It's double story. It is a palace, but under yeah. a hull. Yeah, yeah. It's um, basically I like to call it the two rack flat with floats. Um, 
yeah, you've got four bedrooms, queen bedrooms, a um, couple of bathrooms on that boat. It's got granite bench tops. So, yeah, a lot of people remark that it's actually better better than a lot of their houses. So, um, and and that's why we're always looking at the ways we can develop um, these, these holidays away from home with everything. So the next boat actually is coming out with five bedrooms, five en-suites, all downstairs. So it's... Um, with the duckboard down, it's probably about two metres short of half of an Olympic swimming pool in length. So you're not going to get cabin fever fever on them. And I think that's an important part, especially if so I, I use my example. I've got two kids, four and two. Uh, you know, you've got to be very careful when it comes to the water because they can't swim um, and haven't been able to go to swimming lessons over the, the the past little while because of COVID, but with the way that the boats are designed, they're extremely safe because nothing opens just out on to water. No, well, so um, the Edge was the first new hire boat built on Lake Eildon in 12 years when we built that. Um, built it down at Hastings and then moved it, um, trucked it up to Lake Eildon. Um, it's got pool fencing around it, so the same pool locks um, with, you know, if you've got a swimming pool at home, um, the fly doors to go out onto the decks, uh, the the catches and locks are above the normal height, so even higher up, so they make it even a bit safer. Um, the windows wind out with fly wires on the inside, which helps helps um, people relax, I suppose, a lot more around water. But, again, um Great place to teach um, kids boat safety as well and water safety. My daughter was four when we first started taking her up there. Um, she would stand up in the cabin to go, go to the toilet and put her life jacket on. So, um, and I think it was about 14 and we are still trying <laughs> to talk her out of um, not putting her life jacket on to just to go to the toilet. It's <laughs> uh, always and, a good thing, though. Yeah. And, um, and look, um, one of the greatest benefits I've um, gained as a as a parent is um, the, the son and daughter basically grew up up there driving boats, learning how to drive boats, um, being an absolute breeze, and their their awareness and perception out on the road now that they both got their licences, um, you, you can't beat it. You can't beat the training and the experience they gained um, just being involved with water. So, Steve, how do we get in contact with you if anyone's looking uh, to head to Lake Yield and, and to hire out a houseboat for their, their next trip away? How do we get in contact? Um, can uh, go through the web, our website. You can um, look online. You can chat to us online. Um, it has a contact number. We're basically open. Uh, we've been known to take phone calls to 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so basically, it's like like the rest of Australia. We should all we hopefully we'll get back to the stage where we're all we're always open very shortly. So um, through Facebook, through our website, or call. We love chatting. Steve from Waters Edge Houseboats on Lake Eildon. If you want to follow their Instagram, Waters Edge Houseboats Hire. Uh, one of our great mates, Paul Wesling, couldn't recommend them any higher. Uh, and that's certainly good enough for us. Steve, thank you for joining Real Adventures this morning. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. Cheers, Steve. Cheers. That was gearing up for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy.
It's time for Red's review, and we're talking about Garmin's surround view camera system and why, if you've got the budget, it may be perfect for your next boat. Aaron, let's talk about docking when it comes to spending time in marinas and you've got very little room. Majority of marinas aren't exactly designed um, to have a huge amount of width in regards to manoeuvring your craft, and this makes it incredibly easy. Yeah, it's a little bit like parking at Coles or Safeway, to be honest with you, Pat, because my ute doesn't fit in any bloody park either, and here I am wanting a ram, and I can't even park my Amarok. So <laughs> it's, it's very similar in all the <laughs> marinas right around the country, to tell the truth, but it makes it a hell of a lot easier, and it's ex- especially if you are a person listening right now and have a bigger vessel. And what I mean by bigger vessel, anything probably from that 30 foot up, it, this is probably where you're going to start to really consider the uh, the 360 camera. So the surround view 360 camera, and like you said, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's, it, it's multiple cameras that can give you a bird's eye view, basically, of where you are positioned in a marina. And it's going to basically assist you in parking the vessel. Now, we see this on on quite a few cars, upmarket cars now that come to the marketplace where uh, you've got a little beep, 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 beep from <laughs> every single angle. Well, this is the same version. I'm not sure if you get the beeping, but this is the same version, but in a in a vessel um, setting. And as you said, it's your, it's your 10 metre plus, 30 foot. But if you don't spend a huge amount of time behind the helm, like it's easy for you, Aaron, because you do. You spend a huge amount yeah. of time working in and out of marinas. But for those that don't, one of the biggest stresses is launching and retrieving. And if you're a 30-foot-plus boat, you don't spend a huge amount of time driving it. It is getting it out of the marina without taking out half of the uh, the boats at the marina, especially under wind. Yeah, you, you couldn't have said it better. Wind is an absolute prick for big boats. It, it makes life so hard. And the way the cameras are placed and positioned around the boat, you've got one on the stern, right at the stern, you got two roughly around your midship, and then you got three on your bow, one on the port and one on the starboard side as well as one right where your anchor, your anchor, your anchor bow sprit or whatever you want to call it, the front of the boat is positioned. So positioned really well around the boat. The only thing is, like you said, different between a car is when you've got marine in front of it, it's probably an extra 20 grand straight up, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that we like about it is the engineering behind this camera system is everything is uh, through hull installation. So not only is it securely fitted, but the calibration of the, the camera system, it's easy to maintain. Um, and if things need to be replaced, it's easily replaceable because you, you essentially it's screwed in. So you can screw it in and you can screw it out if things go wrong. It's not being – it's not an accessory that sits, you know, 10, 15 centimetres off the boat so you could potentially knock it off during your next trip out. So everything's um, really well fitted and because it's through hull, it actually looks quite nice and neat. So if you want more uh, information on Garmin's surround view camera system, head to garmin.com.au and that is Red's Review. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. We're very much running out of time. It's time for Red's Tip for the Week. It is, Pat. We've only got a very short amount of time, like you said, so it's going to be short and sharp with how to retrieve 
and cast for certain species of fish. Now, the reason that we're going to talk about it is because there's a lot of people chasing flathead like yourself and whatnot down Lake Tyres, Mallacoota, right around the whole country, to be honest with you. Like we had a report from Logan's Dam up at the start of the show in Queensland. So when you're retrieving for certain species, you need to have certain control. And I'll give you a good example. Dan Mackerel, when he chases brim, if you think you're going slow, go even slower. So there's certain fish that will respond in different ways so for brim flathead make sure you're doing different things the brim get it nice and slow the flathead make sure you've got the head digging into the sand and kicking it up nice and slow so the flathead get disturbed they're a lazy fish and they will attack when you do kick it back up but let it fall nice and slow then you've got species like salmon that are caught during the week if i had a cast of the metal jig out during the week and and slowly retrieved it it wouldn't have worked it would have been hitting the bottom they wouldn't have been reactive to it like a kingfish when you're jigging for them the faster it goes the better it is so when you're chasing species make sure that you're very smart on how especially surface casting or whatever casting you're doing make sure you're very specific on the techniques that you use for every species of fish and that's red's tip this week and i think you're getting the sack on the gaff this week pack we're all getting the sack on the gaff we've ran out of time this has been real adventures we hope you've enjoyed the show we'll see you next week it's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.